in Oklahoma and Texas, I was born in Texas, raised in Donaldson, went back to seminary out in Texas and we're out, me and Julie were out there about three years. The most amazing thing about being out in that area, especially in the Panhandle, like Amarillo area, the sky is so big. It's just big, it, or at least it appears that way because there's no hills or trees or it's just, you can see the whole sky. What's amazing about it is when a storm's coming, you can see it coming a long way away. As it's approaching, you just keep watching it and the fascination of it's getting darker. The edges are starting to form around the clouds. The wind starts blowing, it starts getting cooler. It starts to smell like rain. It's not very comforting at all. The weather. What would have happened, let's say a month ago when all these storms are approaching and someone on the news channel, they're filming this, this guy and he stands up on the street corner and yells, silence, be still. The wind stops. The storm's gone, clears up, no hail. What would we think? I know what I would think. Who is this? Who is that guy? He has control over the wind and the weather. Maybe, maybe you see a storm coming in your life. Maybe you can see it like out in Texas. You can see it a long way away or maybe it came up on you quickly. Maybe it's somebody else's storm that you see. Those in tune with the Lord and with each other in relationships, you can see that coming. How does that change your heart? I believe it does. How does it change your heart? How do, how do you see the fear, the timidity? Does it paralyze you? Because it does some folks. I can't help but think, what would it be like in the early days of Jesus' ministry. When disciples were watching and a part of what Jesus was doing, the early days of Jesus' ministry, and we've been talking about these in this series of Mark. And all the people who've taught from Scripture in Mark over this series have had different opportunities to talk about what, what was observed, what Mark wrote down, what Luke wrote down what Matthew wrote down. As we study Mark, there's more than one occasion uh, in scripture because people are talking about the same, these disciples are talking about the same thing. More than one saw what was happening. 
At one time, they were amazed. And at another, they were wondering in the situation that they were in. They saw the dead come back to life. They saw the lame walk. Other impossible things. Seemingly, they watched it happen. And Jesus was at the point of every one of those stories. They were spectators watching what was happening in the life of Jesus. And then they became part of the story. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter four, verse 35. Mark chapter four, verse 35. If you'll stand with me too, to read, to honor God's word. Verse 35, on that day, when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And the other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat had already was already being swamped. He was sitting in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So they awoke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then verse 41. And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Lord, thank you for your word and your scripture and your stories, your parables, your truth. Help us to wind it Navigate it into our life, into our heart with understanding today, with clarity, what you want for us to take from today. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. When I was a youth pastor in East Tennessee long ago, back in the early 90s, late 80s, I was leading a Bible study and it was a group of students and I asked a question and I, it still rings in my ears what was said. I asked this question and a student raises, raises his, it's a, it's a guy, he raises his hand and he says, I, I, I was asking a question of the disciples. He raises his hand and he said, well, why don't they just read the Bible? Then they'll know. <laughs> I looked at him 
and stared at him like, I'm being punked, or I didn't know. He's dead serious. I said, well, they didn't have the Bible. They were the Bible. The Bible wasn't there yet. And he's like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> These situations and stories and illustrations and parables, all the things in scripture that we get to gain from today. These disciples were watching with their eyes. They weren't reading about it. They were experiencing it. So I, I want to make real clear, that's the difference of a lot of these stories and this story. Because this story is not just them being a spectator, the story is about them. The story is about their lack of something. And the story is about Jesus and who he is. It's on full display, the power of Jesus over creation that they were to save their lives. They just watched it for days and they crossed the sea and all of a sudden they couldn't forget or they did forget what was happening. Let's think for a minute. These guys were fishermen. These guys were likely on this body of water a lot. Fished it probably their whole life. Knew every tide, knew every wind, every route needed to be taken. Thinking even maybe a little deeper, they probably faced a lot of storms on this body of water. But this storm was different. This storm, they were afraid. Something was different, violent in nature. It was different. They had never been in this situation before. And the reason I say that is because they were afraid. If they had been in this before, they would know what to do. They didn't know what to do. The boat was taken on water. They saw the end is near. When you see a storm coming in your life, do you see that? Do you feel that? The end is near. <laughs> when there's something that's troubling, a situation of finances or relationship or something, the end is near. We so quickly jump to doubt. And that's what they did. Number one, take Jesus everywhere. Take Jesus everywhere. In verses 35 and 36, he had been teaching. He was on the boat. He said, let's go to the other side. Let's rest. He's tired. They took him along because he was already on the boat. Some of the obvious things that were happening. I think it's the hardest first step that we need to look at, that we need to get in the boat with Jesus. Jesus says, let's get in the boat and cross to the other side. We would tend to think that because of that, everything would just be fine because Jesus is with us. But the point of the story is not everything is fine without Jesus or with Jesus. The point of the story is he 
can handle it all. For us to begin to trust Jesus with our lives, step into the boat, it takes a bold step of faith to place yourself in the hands of Jesus, to give your heart and your life to Christ. A note too, there's other boats in the water. It's not just their boat, there's lots of boats because he was teaching from the boat and all the other boats were coming around and they're all listening and they're following now because they're going to the other side so all the boats are going. There's other people involved. A reminder sometimes that it's not everything about us. When there's storms coming in our lives, it affects, it affects everyone. Number two, Jesus always cares. Do you see it? He always cares. Do you see it? A great storm arose in verse 37. Waves were breaking over the boat, so the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern. That's the back of the boat. The back of the boat, sleeping on the cushion. So they awoke him and said, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Doubting that the end is near of the disciples. They woke him. Point to note here, Jesus always cares. He always cares. The man who went to sleep on the cushion in the rear of the boat was also God at the same time. Did you catch that? The man asleep on the cushion was God at the same time. He didn't forget, he didn't, it, it wasn't like they woke him up to tell him something he didn't already know. He was God. And he has control over everything. About a year ago, we had the opportunity, Scott and I did, to preach this exact scripture. You, you may remember it if you were here. And we talked about, Jesus, do you care? We went through different rough patches and different situations that cause anxiety, that cause us to stumble. We talked about our first reaction of being an expression of doubt and thinking through, are we trying to control things when it's not ours to control? When you think you're in control, you're not in control. When you're trying to be in control, usually you mess it up. Number two, that we've lost focus, that we lost our faith, that we have our trust in the wrong person, ourself. If trust is in me, we're in trouble. When you think I need to work my way out of this, trouble. We need to focus on Jesus. And then my favorite, and I have this conversation a lot. Sometimes we think everything with Jesus should be rainbows, sunshine, and unicorns. 
that's, that's not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is whatever you face, God is in control. He may be teaching you. He may be building your faith. He may be building your courage. He may be building something in your life that you're going to need and use later. But whatever that is, you're not out from underneath what God is in control of. He's still on the throne, <clears throat> no matter what you face. Jeremiah knew that when he penned Jeremiah 29, 11. Many of you know this by heart. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Go back to a verse that Justin shared last week. Hebrews 12, 28. When Paul wrote, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. Jesus does care. It's often that we get worried about the wrong thing. Our wonderings drive us off the road and we start hitting bumps and get bruised we become selfish in nature and we start losing the, the issue that we're dealing with the whole time is about this storm. And instead of getting our eyes focused on Jesus, we start grumbling and complaining and worried, paralyzed in fear. <clears throat> David McKenna in a commentary we read this week said, he who is the word by which all things were made has no reason to fear the storm. He who foresees the making of a new heaven and a new earth sleeps in the knowledge that nature's peevish outburst can be controlled by its maker. What a powerful thought of what God is doing in this story. Who is this? His name's Jesus. Jesus is the one who controls all things. He is God. He is man. He came to earth to show us the way, to teach us, to walk in it, to walk beside us. And the very people he's showing had a doubt like that. How much more would it be today if we have a doubt? The storm comes, where did God go? Where, where is Jesus? We have the doubt. Internally, we must trust and change the way we think and we feel, navigating all these feelings for our heart to understand what is actually happening, that everything is in God's control. Number three, identify your fear. Identify your fear. We need to change the way we address the fear because there's two types of fear here that I'm gonna talk about here for the next few moments. 
The first one is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. That's an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. We know this fear well. It's the fear of being human. It's the fear of misunderstanding. It's, it's the bad, the terrible, the catastrophic that we jump to so quickly in every situation that we're going through. And if by chance you're maturing in your faith, these disciples matured in moments. Between verses 40 and 41, can you imagine the maturity level that changed and the fear that began to happen? Do we understand that we're dealing with the same thing today? We've been there before, the stressful, the reality. It's over, <laughs> we think. We're so afraid. When they woke him, teacher, don't you care that we're gonna die in verse 38? Verse 39, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased, there was a great calm. And then he said to him, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. The very people say that, that just saw for several days different miracles happening. Who then is this? Can you imagine that moment? That they jump from one fear to another fear a fear of profound reverence and awe, especially toward God, reverence and awe. It's a feeling of respect. It's a feeling of acknowledgement that Jesus is God. It's misunderstanding that we think we're in control and really God's in control. It's the fear of God, not the fear of anxiety. It, if, if we have the human fear and emotion of uncertainty and emotion of uh, unclear, a bad feeling, I've, I hear this all the time and I, I feel it too. It, when we focus on that and we don't focus on who Jesus is and who Jesus wants to be in our life, we're misunderstanding who is in control. In Psalms 23, four, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 14, 26 and 27, in the fear of the Lord, one who has strong confidence and his children have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. They knew who to go to. Even in the dire moment, they knew who to go to. Jesus. Jesus. Loosen the fear that surrounds your emotions and focus on Jesus and strengthen 
with boldness and courage. Strengthen your faith in God being in charge of everything. What now? What now? Okay, that, that, that's okay, Lynn. I, I understand. You've said the same thing four times. Some of us in here may not know the Jesus I'm talking about. Some of you may not know that. And it, that, that person that is named Jesus was a real person. We follow him. Is he the leader of your life? Have you given your life to him? Have you invited him to come into your life? Number two, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't fix your eyes on the problem. That's called a distraction. When you focus on a problem, that's what Satan wants to derail you on and build fear and timidity up inside of you when it's not really needed. And that takes practice. It takes focusing on scripture. You don't wanna throw the towel in. You don't wanna say it's over. It's about building your faith. Number three, remove your fear and replace it with awe and respect of Jesus. We continue to develop as believers, we all do. Anything that we hear, see, feel, touch, do, that is a part of our journey, we're maturing as believers. That's what we want to fulfill in our lifetime, the journey with Jesus in our life. If we fulfill that journey, then it's ups and downs, ups and downs, it's a bumpy road and we can get bruised in the process. But it's all that teaches maturity in our faith if we focus on Jesus. Who is this? As our worship team comes up, I wanna, I wanna say um, we have people on both sides that would love to talk to you about Jesus, who Jesus is. We have prayer requests on both sides that you can write down on a card you can put on the cross. And we count it a privilege to be able to pray for you. Our staff, our elders, we pray for you. There's communion on both sides that you can take personally or you can go as a family, husband and wife. Um, you can go by yourself. You can go as a life group. I invite you to come during this song. All of those will be happening. I want you to feel free to move from your seat and respond the way you feel like you need to respond. Father, thank you for your word today. The clarity of message of a storm that seems so small in your sight and so big to us. Help us to reduce that down to your love and your grace. Virtue, your name that we pray.